everybody, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Hope you're all doing well on this Thursday, September 30th, 2021, end of the month. A lot to get into uh, as, you know, we got week five and college football season coming up. A lot of big time matchups. Week four of the NFL should be a good one. A lot of promising games, uh, especially the one tonight in terms of the quarterback matchup. Uh, I'll get into that in a little bit as well. So, as always, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Anchor, and other platforms. And as I mentioned before, you can find some of my best segments of the NFL and the NBA on audio.io. Uh, search up Real Sports Talk by Naraj. You'll find a lot of my... Uh, you know, one of my best sound bites and segments that I've done up to this point this year. So definitely tune into that and check it out and just subscribe if you can on that. It'd be highly appreciated. So I'm gonna kick off uh, today's episode by previewing the uh, week four Christmas football matchup as you have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on Cincinnati Bengals. In Cincy, uh, Jacksonville was touching for their first win of the season. Uh, you got the Cincinnati Bengals who are off to a, a 2 and one start. A little bit surprising considering how they've been uh, the last few seasons. Um, they're off to a good start. Um, you've seen Joe Burrow have his moments where he's looked really good. And now the whole question is, is... Can he continue to be that uh, you know, consistently good for this Bengals team as they obviously are you know, not getting through a time on their on their team where you know they've been trying to find some talent that can kind of elevate this offense back to where it used to be and we know that T Higgins has been a huge part of that as well as Tyler Boyd. Now T Higgins may be out for this game tonight, so. You know, Jamar Chase, who's been off to a pretty decent start, um, will get the opportunity to really do a lot tonight in terms of you know, official targets towards him. But Jacksonville and uh, Cincinnati, obviously, obviously, uh, obviously the biggest uh, draw and story to this game would be Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, these two did square off in college um, for the national... Um, they did square off for the national title game a couple of years ago. You know, the college football national championship a couple of years ago, in which it was a shootout, but Joe Burrow got the best of uh, Clemson during that time. You know, Burrow passed up for more touchdowns in that game. So both guys, obviously, first round overall picks. You know, two they're on two teams that definitely have so much work to do in order to get back to being in a stuff where they can contend for you know the playoffs or the division although as of right now Cincinnati is two and one so they are right there in third place um you look at it um this is a big year obviously for uh Zach Taylor who's been there quite some time the injuries have been tough, no doubt. 
for the Bengals in the last couple of seasons. Obviously, Burrow after having to miss you know, the rest of the season last year with the MCL-ACL injury. Um, and there's a lot said about Burrow in the offseason about you know how he wasn't looking right. A couple of things were off here and there. But he's played fairly well to the point where they've been able to win some games. And if you look at this game tonight between both teams, um, you know, Jacksonville comes in, obviously they have not, have not been able to uh, get a win yet. And, you know, they were, they did play a good game last week until that second half where, you know, they kind of had a couple of mistakes. Um, and then, you know, obviously a turning point in that game last week with Jacksonville was that, uh, interception that Lawrence threw to return for a touchdown um, in the game, but you've seen some signs of Jacksonville moving in the right direction as an offense. Uh, they seem to be getting a little bit better, although you look at the overall body of work. Obviously, Lawrence has been, uh, you know, because of the pocket, uh, the protection hasn't always been the best for. Uh, for them, and so they are really struggling to run the football as effectively as well as keeping Trevor Lawrence upright. Now, you look at Cincinnati Bengals, and we know that they've been uh, getting obviously a lot of good pressure on the quarterback. They did so against Ben Roethlisberger uh, last week, but obviously Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career can't really move around the pocket so much. So, look at this game head-to-head and, you know, the kind of things that Jacksonville may have to do to win this game. I think, one, you know, you really got to see Jacksonville try to establish a running game. And, you know, uh, that is going to be very, very important. Obviously, it does suck that Travis Etienne, you know, isn't able to play. Obviously, with the foot injury he suffered before the season started. You know, but James Robinson being there, I think Carlos Hyde being there. I mean, Jacksonville's got to help out their quarterback, and that starts with running the football a little bit more, which they did have some success last week. But you got to see that be a factor in this game. It's a short week. You're on the road in Tennessee. Um, you've got to be able to find a way to have a balance. You know, Lawrence can obviously drop back and fling it, and he will have opportunities to fling it uh, tonight because Cincinnati may be um, out. You know, their safety, Jesse Bates, may be out in this game. Um, so, you know, Jackson's going to have plenty of opportunities to pass the ball, but you just want to see them be able to run the football so they can kind of protect him a little bit better uh, in some situations. So, I think they have to run the football. I think second, you really want to see uh, some of the Jacksonville wide receivers start to win those matchups on the outside, try to attack the middle of the field. You know, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals weren't challenged as much last week, right, against the Steelers in terms of like you didn't really see the Steelers get too many 20-plus yards of completion um, against. The Bengals. Obviously, uh, Najee Harris had one of those games, but you know, in terms of wide receivers and stuff like that, um, you know, 
know, that will be something to watch out for is, you know, can Jacksonville get their wide receivers and Clark and, and you know, Cheval Jr. and you know, Marvin Jones get going? Can they find a way to push the ball down the field, get some explosive plays? You know, they have been able to do that um, at some points, but you got to see more of that in this game. And I think that that will be crucial. So, you know, if Urban Meyer can just find a way to, you know, be a little bit good in the play calling area in terms of like aggressive situations, they could find a way to keep this game close. You know, um, now it does come down to protection, and you know, obviously Lawrence has been hit quite a bit. I would say in the last you know, couple of games. Um, but they need to give him a chance. They need to give Trevor Lawrence a chance um, to be uh, have a chance to win the game. You know, have him in a situation where he can lead a drive um, to win the game. I think that would be the most ideal thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Being able to have the ball last in this game, he just hasn't done. But it would be a way in which they can maybe make it interesting. That their defense obviously has been a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it hasn't been as crisp or as good as it, as it should be. And so now it just kind of comes down to um, can they uh, can they get some, you know, get some stops? Can they contain Jamar Chase? You know, and um, can they keep the Bengals from, you know, getting those kind of looks and plays that they've been getting? quite a bit so I think the key for Jacksonville is first just trying to contain Joe Mixon right make him kind of uh, kind of stuff off the line you know gotta bring some pressure on Joe Burrow definitely gotta bring some pressure on him get him off his spot you know make him kind of make those throws that he doesn't want to make you know just try to sky that coverage a little bit so Jacksonville, they're going to have to try to do something on defense because we know that they have had a tough time of just being able to really do that consistently. So just being the right place at the right time. That defense can give up a whole lot of plays. They need to be aggressive. You've got to see a pass rush kind of be more apparent in this game. I think that can help their chances in this game if they can get some stops on defense. Not, you know, like kind of like bend and not, but not break. And if they can kind of force some field goals early in this game, it may help Trevor Lawrence, uh, uh, you know, get possessions and be able to score in those possessions as well. So for Cincinnati, I think that the running game um, needs to be obviously on, on point. The Bengals need to finish drives. You know, they did settle for some field goals last week. Uh, obviously, they had to because of where they were in the field, but. Kind of want to see um, Joe Burrow uh, be able to push to fall, push the ball down the field, finish drives, and you know, try to finish those drives with points. Um, you know, obviously if you spread Jacksonville out, there's a lot of matchups that Burrow should be able to exploit. Um, so it's got to be a very accurate in doing that, um, and like I said, trying to make the most of the field. I mean, I would love to see him have a couple of you know, run designs as well. And I think both quarterbacks may have to do that in this game where you'll see the different kind of like run designs for the quarterback. That may be something that both teams may rely on tonight. 
just to get the chains moving, you know, have, you know, Lawrence maybe fake it out and have a run at it. Bortles doing the same thing. I wouldn't be surprised to see if both quarterbacks end up having, having more rushing yards than their running backs tonight. But, you know, it's all about how do how does Evan Meyer and Trevor Lawrence kind of attack this defense of the Bengals. And then on the other side, you know, with Zach Taylor and Burrow, you just want to see if they can be able to scheme certain things open. Will Jamar Chase continue to be hot and, and put up those kind of numbers and points um, that he can put up. So cause we know that he's capable of doing that. We've seen it a little bit already. And now it's all about kind of putting it together and being able to do that. So uh, it remains to be seen whether or not um, Jacksonville will have their new tight end, Dan Arnold, playing in this game. He might play. That may go a big way in helping, obviously, in some situations for their passing and things like that. So I expect a decent game. I think it will be somewhat low scoring, maybe in the mid, mid-20s. mid um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. I think that they find a way to get a couple of more plays in their running game and in their receiving game than Jacksonville. You know, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to throw, you know, like two or three picks in this game. I think it will be close. I think you'll see a much improved Jacksonville Jaguars team in terms of this game. But I think that um, I think that Joe Burrow will have the last say in this game, and the Bengals have the last say in this game. I think they will find a way um, to get this victory and make things a little bit more interesting in the AFC North. Now, I don't have the Bengals making the playoffs uh, when I the rest of the preview, but this is a game in which they should be able to win. Um, obviously, it comes down to how well the good team possess the ball and make the most of it, but it's a, you know, it's a home game for the Bengals, short week, it always kind of favors the Bengals, uh, and I just like their defense a little bit more than I like Jacksonville's defense at this point, so I'll pick the Bengals to win in a close game, maybe 20-17, to 24-17, along those lines, and then they'll get to 3-1 and one, um, in, the, in the division. next segment I want to continue with my NBA uh, season previews uh, obviously I've been going by off of last year's like standing so I'm now at the number six spot um, uh, with uh, you know the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference the Western Conference of last year so let me talk about the Portland Trail Blazers uh, and preview their season coming up here so Portland finished uh, 42 and 30 last year. Um, they were eliminated in the first round against the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. So look at the Blazers, and they had quite a uh, off season. Uh, obviously, a lot of trade rumors um, going around with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And the moves that they didn't make in free agency, they didn't make any big time moves in free agency. Um, so, what's different about this about this 
Portland Trailblazers team this year? Well, they do have a new head coach in Chauncey Billups, um, who they're hoping will be able to uh, be an answer to their playoff lack of playoff success they've had the last few years. You know, David Lillard has talked about being able to contend, win consistently, get out the first round, get back to a point where they can contend for a NBA championship. And Portland really has struggled to build a really good team around uh, Lillard and McCollum. Uh, they've had a tough time of being able to keep certain guys as well. Um, but, you know, they still have two of the best players, um, you know, a decent backcourt that obviously at times they play great together and sometimes they don't play as well together. So, you know, the Blazers are counting on Chauncey Billups. Obviously, he's been with the Clippers and other teams prior to that. Um, but now Chauncey gets the chance to coach this team and get more out of these two. Um, and that will be the key, is to see how well how well do these um, teams play. You know, I mean, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, you know, he's going to see if Chauncey can get the most out of this roster um, that, uh, with, you know, with Lillard and McCollum, you know, can you get these guys to be uh, even more better than they have been in their careers up to this point? You know, with Terry Scott, obviously, they became used to one voice, and after a number of years of coming up short, you know, now they have a new coach. And Chauncey's obviously a really great mind, obviously playing the point guard position, been around the Clippers the last couple of seasons with Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, hopefully he can bring some of those elements and his kind of style to this team. And they'll definitely need it in the Western Conference. In terms of their you know, off-season additions, I mean, they've added you know, Ben McLemore, Larry Nance Jr., Cody Zeller. Uh, they do have a little bit better depth on their roster this season, but, you know, they weren't able to keep Carmelo Anthony um, you know, and they weren't able to um, get a whole lot of the same free agency. But what they are counting on, and what they should be counting on, is a big year, hopefully, for Norman Powell. All right, Norman Powell was acquired in that trade uh, with Toronto. Norman Powell, um, you know, he's a really solid player. He's going to have to really do a lot more, I think, this season for the Blazers to have success. You know, so however he's utilized and if he plays along with McCollum and Lillard or whether he plays from the bench, they're going to need Norman Powell to be a big-time contributor to this team. You know, overall, they need to be able to do that. You know, they did play some of their best down the stretch. I mean, Lillard obviously has had his records throughout the past season with the average points and shot-making. We know that when it's game time and it's clutch time, he's always there. And so, you know, in terms of the tension of whether or not Lillard will stay there or not, look, Lillard has expressed, obviously, trying to win in Portland, be in Portland. Um, I would say that with Chauncey Billups now um, being there, I mean, it's really going to be up to um, how well are they uh, able to play under him, his style. And, you know, get get it going. You know, that's the key you want to see. You want to see how well uh, Chauncey Billups' coaching style and kind of concepts and things that he wants to kind of implement will be better. You know, will they be able to lead to different results? You know, that's the whole thing that you're looking to see. 
you know, Chauncey obviously has promised a couple of new things that he's going to try to do. Their defense definitely has to be better. That's uh, no doubt about that. Um, so Portland, as there is right now, I mean, they're probably going to be a team that will contend for that six, seven, eight spot. You know, they don't have a whole lot that tells you that they're going to win a championship anytime soon. But they do have, obviously, a couple of good veterans and players on that roster in which, you know, some of the young guys will get some playing minutes, you know. But the shooting and it all comes down to Lillard and McCollum um, and Norm Powell. Like, I think those are the three names that come to mind right now. And more so Lillard because, you know, he wants to win and he wants to win. Obviously, he's in his 30s now. So, you know, it's going to be a big year for the Portland Trailblazers. I think that... They need to have more playoff success this year. And if Chauncey can do that, if they can get past the first round uh, into the second round, even a conference finals appearance, maybe they'll keep things kind of quiet. But I think that Portland, the way they've been kind of been constructed and the way they've been the last few years, and they need to find a way to put some winning pieces around Damian Lillard or else it won't be long until Lillard kind of forces his way out of, of Portland. Now, he may not do that, but we know that with his talent, with his ability, you put him on any other team that's contending the Western Conference, you put him on the Clippers, for example, uh, you put him on the Mavericks, you know, he, they could easily be there. You know, you could say that, obviously, obviously it takes a, a supporting cast is, is huge, right? And so... You see what LeBron James has done, obviously, and they could have done around LeBron. And you're trying to see what they're doing on the Clippers, you know. So Lillard needs that, and you just hope that with all the off-season drama and attention that we're building, hopefully they kind of stay um, right on track and not be a big uh, distraction this season. So I can see Portland getting back to the playoffs, which they should be able to make it. Um, but they have to get out of the first round. They have to get out of the first round. That would be a sign of progress uh, for Lillard and his chances to be there long term. So now I want to transition to talking about the Miami Heat, uh, who finished uh, 40 and 32 last year, uh, got beat by the reigning champions in the Milwaukee Bucks in five games. Well, the Miami Heat had a quite off season. They added PJ Tucker traded for Kyle Lowry a uh, couple of big time moves obviously Kyle Lowry is going to be able to bring a lot of playmaking creativity to this offense as a whole um, you know more so, more so than Goran Dragic did in the years past um, you look at PJ Tucker obviously a great defender can give you size rebounding so a couple of good moves by Miami Heat and Miami doubled a lot last year. You know, they with the injuries, obviously the core protocols, just like every other NBA team. And so Miami wasn't really their best, you know, their best selves. You know, their defense wasn't as sharp and as good as it was during that finals run they had. So they're looking to get back to that. And obviously a huge part of that will be the play of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. You know, both of them obviously have been locked up, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. And, you know, they and, I mean, for Jimmy Butler, I mean, he had a big year last year in terms of numbers and stuff. But, you know, with Jimmy Butler, you just want to see him get back to that level where he was playing during the finals. You know, be able to really 
score when you have to score, be big time when you have to be big time. So, you know, Miami's hoping that obviously Kyle Lowry will be able to help Jimmy Butler, obviously be fresh, be ready for those moments because we know that Jimmy Butler was handling the ball a lot last year and prior to that. But now you have Kyle Lowry, who's a smart veteran, knows what those situations. So, how Butler and you know how Lowry will play together will be great. How how they can mesh together will be very very important. You know you want to see Bam Adebayo continue to be a good scorer. Um, you know. You want to see him continue to be a good scorer um, and, you know, play as well as he's been playing, you know. So that's going to be key for the Miami Heat. Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler uh, being at the top of their games. But also, look at the second unit, right? They don't have Kendrick Nunn anymore. Uh, Nunn obviously went to the Lakers on you know, a two-year deal. So this second unit of the Miami Heat is going to be very, very important. I think that a couple names to watch out for. Obviously, this is a big year for Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. Now, Duncan Robinson has had his moments where he's been really, really good. Um, you know, he's been really good, I would say, in a lot of situations. So, as I was saying, sorry about that. Um, you know, you've seen situations where... Duncan Robinson has played well for the Miami Heat. Um, but for Tyler Hero, you know, there were a lot of questions about how he was playing last season and whether or not he was fully committed or not. So I think Tyler Hero needs to regain that kind of shooting form that he had, um, you know, when he was playing shooting threes at a high rate. Being able to shoot at a high rate from the outside, being more in tune with the offense is very, very important. So... Miami has obviously two youngsters and Robinson and Hero. You want to see these guys kind of recapture the kind of form they had a couple of seasons ago. If they do that, then Miami will be very, very hard to stop offensively. You know, so you know, being in contention contending for that championship. You know, Pat Riley obviously does a lot to get this team and so does Eric Spolster to get this team to play at a high level. And so last year was a down year for Miami. They didn't go the way they wanted to go. Um, I think this year, obviously, with Kyle Lowry, with Tucker being there, with maybe having a better version of Tyler Hero and Robinson, you know, that will maybe lead to better things. And let's not forget that Old Depot coming back from injury as well, um, maybe able to do some things nicely for, for the Miami Heat. So, you know, there's a lot to like about the depth of this team, what they do have in terms of their roster and their talent. And they have to be more committed on defense the way they were seasons ago. I think if they do that, then they should be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference this year. I think they really will be that, you know, because look at Butler, look at Adebayo, um, look at, you know, what they've added. I mean, you're going to get a lot of good play from Kyle Lowry, I think. And Kyle Lowry obviously had a tough end to his Toronto tenure, you know. So I think Lowry will be motivated to really play well. I think you'll see that come into play a lot for Miami. And, you know, it's going to be a little bit easier for Jimmy Butler now to kind of have someone kind of set those shots for him. Maybe he can kind of play the kind of position that he's been playing when he was in Chicago. Um, we're going to see a more better version of Jimmy Butler. He played a lot of minutes, I would say, last year and took a toll on him. So seeing how Eric Spolstra will coach this team, keeping him kind of in balance will be very important. 
But Miami is going to be, I think, a little bit better than Philadelphia this year. Obviously, with Philadelphia maybe not having Ben Simmons, maybe, I could see the Miami Heat being right there at the top behind the Milwaukee Bucks. Even though, you know, uh, you know, depth-wise and what they have, I mean, I think that Miami is going to be right there in the top three, and they should be able to do much better than losing the first round um, this time around. So, should be exciting to see how Miami does. Obviously, we know that um, the kind of moves they've made, what they've been kind of building on on this team, um, you know, they are looking to get back into the mix of things this year. And so we'll see if they're they're good enough when it comes comes time to play the Miami Heat. Sorry, not play the Miami Heat, but <laughs> play the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, everybody will have their eyes on that, you know, to see if they can be much better this time around if they face Milwaukee, um, you know, compost some time. So I want to cap off today's episode by talking about a couple more things um, that have kind of crossed my mind and I've been looking into um, and I think it's really important to bring up and also also I've been inspired to bring up as well uh, let me first start with the NCAA uh, coming out and making the announcement that they will be using the March Madness uh, branding and logo uh, for the Division 1 women's basketball uh, across the board and this is very important and a step in the right direction because for anybody who hasn't been really following us closely, I mean, last year during the March Madness tournament and everything, there was obviously a big kind of gap between, you know, kind of treatment that, you know, men basketball players were getting at these college facilities and some of what the women players were getting at the facilities, right? So, you know, all these things are coming into play because you know you, you obviously want to see the sport continue to grow and be more diversified and more equal and so for a long time in the NCAA and men's basketball and women's basketball you've know, seen a lot of things that have kind of gone in one direction right obviously the men's basketball because they're obviously given more marketing and more kind of branding that you see a lot of players and coaches and teams get a certain amount of treatment and you know, as for the women's basketball side, it's been a little bit of a struggle just because of the structure. And there hasn't been a clear structure in place for um, women's college basketball. And that kind of goes down to, like, you know, from, from the top front office to the bottom, you know, there's been those kind of discussions and talks where, you know, about giving more revenue, more platform to promoting the game of women's basketball. And women's basketball has done tremendous things. I've talked about it in the past. And I've talked about, you know, they've done tremendous things in terms of, you know, providing a voice, having the discussions. And so, you know, we don't want to have that situation where there's unequal treatment, right, in terms of how the men's basketball tournament is run and how the women's basketball tournament is run. And so you want things to be set up you know, in a similar way, in a collaborative kind of way, and obviously, as I this kind of came to my attention, kind of reading all the things that I've been reading about with college basketball, and obviously it's going to be starting up very, very soon, you just want to see all teams, all players, you know, men and women get 
those treatments to be treated and given that same kind of uh, platform to like have the same kind of facilities in terms of housing, fooding, all those kind of things. You know, you want to see a, a, tour, a tournament be run uh, on a collaborative front, and I think that is what uh, is really coming out. I think this is a huge step because you know you're gonna have rather than the logo being women's you know women's basketball tournament as a logo you're gonna have it as women's march madness and it may not go you know it may not you know change a whole lot of things but it will help the public perception of women's college basketball because people will actually be like okay this is march madness and this is you know the same kind of things that we saw this past year i mean it will be on a much higher level and you want people to be invested in not only men's basketball but women's college basketball and all of that because those teams, those players, do so much to put themselves in a position where they want to be playing in front of fans, be able to be known and recognized in one way or another. And so, you know, we don't want to have that kind of situation where in any sport, you know, whether you know men and women can participate it together in it or is it separate. You just want to see equal treatment, equal diversity across the front, and so, you know, this will go a long way in helping the experience for student-athletes, right? Student-athletes who are going to go and be future recruits at these programs, you know, you want to see them be able to speak up and have a platform, but being given the same rights, same kind of experience are very important, and so, uh, hopefully going forward, the NCAA will be have more collaborative front to be more discussions between you know how the women's college basketball tournament is run how the men's March Madness tournament is run and providing you know obviously maybe a same venue would be great if it could be done provide the same facilities where you know they're being given the same kind of treatment and the attention you just want to see that be equal and fair across the board you know Obviously, there's a different situations that can come about, but women's college basketball they deserve a little bit more when it comes to the March Madness tournament. They deserve to be on the same footing as, as the men's March Madness tournament is. And it's going to happen in the steps, obviously. It's going to happen in a, in a structured way. And hopefully this recent move by the NCAA um, it will, will be a good sign in the right direction. Maybe, maybe more changes will come. And, you know, having that implemented correctly and properly will definitely be something that continues to get pushed around, can get pushed to the point. And so hopefully we'll see this kind of be a much better thing next year, uh, depending on how the tournament is run. Hopefully there'll be a lot more positive uh, thoughts and reactions. Because, you know, there were a lot of players that were upset about how certain things were done and given to them during the, you know, the pandemic tournament, you know, during the pandemic tournament they had last year and the spring and all that. So... You just hope that it'll be much better come next spring, and you know that will be, go in a big time way um, in helping the game be better on that front in terms of diversity and obviously um, between men's women's basketball and women's college basketball. You'll see a, more of a united front and structuring these tournaments to be great for everybody involved in it. So I want to talk about now a very uh, special football player that I think will be a top pick um, in next year's NFL Draft. 
and that is cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. Um, he has the potential to be a really good player at, at the next level, and I just wanted to talk about his background a little bit and what I think he'll be able to bring to the table. But more importantly, his his story, his journey is you know a pretty good one, and so you know he was obviously born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, obviously homegrown, wanted to go to LSU from the early get-go. And so he was an All-American uh, in his freshman year at uh, Dunham High School, where he, I think he had like, like 27 interceptions and, you know, setting some good records along the way. You know, he had a big role, obviously, in the LSU Tigers winning the national title when Joe Burrow was there. Uh, I think he had a key interception or two against Georgia in the, in the lead of that game. Um, you know, so he's been coming up for quite some time. Um, you know, he started out obviously kind of shadowing his father, who played for the New England Patriots back in the day, and he spent a lot of hours. He and his father uh, kind of practicing a lot of things to be a, a cornerback and you look at you know his father uh he worked in the uh he, play, he coached in the, in the arena football league where he got to play with a lot of different people and so you just look at his whole style i mean Derek obviously got into football at an early age you know competed against some of his teammates in high, you know high school but, you know, he learned from a great mentor, right, his father, and someone who played for the NFL for the Patriots, and kind of teaching him the quarterback position. So, you just love to see when some of these players get to spend a lot of countless hours and work towards these goals and become something. And so, Derek uh, Singles Jr. was able to do that. You know, spending time with his father, learning the game of football from a very early age. We have to go, go to a high school that kind of saw his talents. You know, he was a five-star recruit coming out of uh, of that. And going to LSU was a, was a huge thing for him. We've seen a lot of great players come from the LSU in the NFL and college uh, football with Odell Beckham and Landry, you know, Joe Burrow, and many more. And so Derek is on a good path to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. I think more importantly, his leadership has been really great overall you speak to like you know you know Ed Horgeron the head coach at LSU and his teammates I mean you know very smart and it's like a lot of game film as well with his father and you know you get those good habits and they kind of develop into something that you know translates on the field success and so you look, look at Derek's um single junior he's in his junior season at LSU right now and right now LSU it's going through a little bit of a tough phase right now, and he is kind of dealing with injuries. But you look at what Derek Singleton has done so far in his career at LSU. I mean, he's been a leader on that defense. You've seen them do some great things overall. I mean, the way he plays the position with his side at 6'1 and 195. Uh, you know, making plays on the football, being right there, and kind of learning from all those experiences uh, I like his chances like I said to be a top 10 pick next year I think a lot of obviously a lot of NFL scouts think the same way as well just his whole you know, his, his tendencies and his ability to just 
understand certain things and process. It's been great. And, you know, um, I think his grandfather played, like, I think wide receiver for the Patriots. So, but obviously, like I said, all the coaching experience that his father had, I mean, he was right there with him on those, on those sidelines, right, learning about the game of football. And so, you know, you have somebody who can teach you those kind of things, and it's great that you can, you know, kind of learn the position and get better at it. And so, I think that um, going forward, hopefully he can kind of get back on the field, be healthy. And I think for Derek Stingley, the main thing for him is, you know, throughout all these experiences, you know, he had an early interest towards football. He wanted to commit to it. He wanted to get a platform where he could learn and be doing that. And so he got that opportunity, obviously, at Denham High School. But even so, more so than that, you know, he had those experiences where he had a couple of close games where, he, you know, he dropped a couple of passes for interceptions. He got better and better. He's only 20 years old. I think he's progressed really well to this point. He's had the right kind of environment around him to grow as a football player. And so I think that, you know, if he continues to be that way, he could be a top three, top four pick next year in the NFL 2022 NFL draft. So can't wait to see what he does. And like I said, I'm going to try to get get into a lot more prospects for the NFL in the next year's draft as the season rolls on in college football.